Daniela Camboni and welcome back to the Daniela Camboni show here on ITM Trading. Happy 2024. Very excited to be starting this new year with you and my first interview of 2024 with someone I have never interviewed before, which is extremely exciting, but I have followed his work for many, many years and I'm happy to share his wisdom with you all today. Please welcome to the show Lakshman Akuthin. How did I do on that pronunciation, Lakshman? Yeah. He's the co-founder of the Economic Cycle Research Institute. He has been analyzing business cycles for over 30 years. He's also the author of Beating the Business Cycle. We're going to get his take today. Uh, so nice to, to be with you. Really nice to be with you. I'm really looking forward to this discussion and I'm looking forward to the new year. We're going to have fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm happy to hear that. Let's let's start it on, on a positive note here. I mean, uh, I kind of wanted to just do a general general overview with you here of what you know how you think this year will start. I mean, as we're speaking right now, stocks stocks are are feeling some pressure. Mm -hmm. But I want to bring up an article. You know, in my research, I found that you wrote back in 2019, I believe it was for for Bloomberg, where you were urging the Fed to cut rates to avoid a recession. And you said the odds of a soft landing go up only if the Fed is preemptive in cutting interest rates. So you were ahead of the Fed. You knew what the Fed had to do back in 2019. My question to you as we start, you know, this year and there's talk of, you know, going back to a more of a QE environment oh is was the Fed in time to get what they wanted to get? The short answer is, you know, I don't want to be doing, I don't want to come off as a Fed basher, but I'm always a big believer that we can all uh, improve. <laughs> and um, I think there's room for improvement here um, with the Fed and, and with, with the, their, some of their policy moves. I know right now um, the mainstream kind of view is like, wow, look, the Fed has stuck the soft landing. Everything's great. Yeah. And, I'm hopeful that that's true. I would I would hope that that is true. Um, but our job is to really navigate these cyclical risks that are out there. And so with our eyes wide open, um, I have to say, you know, it's not all smooth sailing. There are some risks out here. And with specific to the Fed, uh, the the real issue is their rate, their main tool is to raise rates and lower rates. And then, as you mentioned, they could also if you know, under duress, they can go to QE, quantitative easing. Now, um, those kinds of tools impact the economy uh, and inflation uh, with a lag. Uh, it's long and variable, and people can debate how long and variable it is, um, but it's not immediate. The markets tend to kind of try and front run that a little bit and get, you know, speculate as to what it means when they do something. Um, and so that can have more immediate impacts on some market prices, uh, but the actual real world outside our window, uh, there's long and variable lags. It takes a while for interest rate shifts to seep into all the cracks of the economy. Um, and so now we go to Fed policy. Are they predictive? Are they preemptive? Are they moving in front of stuff? And there I have to say, no, nah, not really. They're not really doing that. They're more reactive. And if you think about, I don't know, all kinds of things in the real world, and, and if, you're, if, if something is kind of cyclical uh, and you react 
to it at the wrong time, you can ap actually amplify the drama. And, and I'm afraid that does transfer a bit to the Fed and the economy if they're, if they're overreacting in retrospect to things. It can amplify drama uh, sometimes in volatility. So, you know, really well said. So in terms of amplifying drama, uh, let's talk inflation, because going back to your point of things are cyclical, I mean, yeah. you know, they would, I know you've said in past interviews, they're almost acting like it's, you know, mission accomplished. But what I like what you say is, okay, it, it might be coming down, but the consumer is not feeling it yet. Those prices, the prices have not come down. Oh, absolutely. So there's, yeah, there's definitely not mission accomplished. There's a f few things with inflation, a few critical points, and, and you hit probably the most important one is for, for consumers. Um, investors in, in Wall Street can get very excited about the rate of inflation. So if it was eight and then it went to seven and to six percent inflation, they're like, wow, it's improving. But for um, the man on Main Street or the lady on Main Street going out and buying things, it's still growing. Uh, at, 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 and the levels of those prices are really high compared to where they were uh, not, too, not too recently ago. And that's a real disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street, which um, seems to, I don't think that's going to go away. Uh, that, that seems to be the reality of the world. But I think it's a real disconnect between when you speak to somebody or in your own life, how you feel about prices, and then the way Wall Street can kind of uh, get themselves all excited about the pace of inflation coming down. Now, the second thing is what a lot of um, analysts will do, uh, and they'll do this in simple ways, and they'll do it in very, very complex ways in, in all kinds of models, um, is they will extrapolate. So if the pace of inflation is coming down, they will say, wow, for all of this year, we're going to have inflation coming down. It's going to go below the target, whatever the target is. And it's all fine. And it's Goldilocks. And we go into that. Now, in studying uh, cycles, and I've done it for several years, more years than I would like to admit, um, and, and reading um, about cycles and the work of uh, my mentor, who was a, a big cycle researcher, Jeffrey Moore, um, Number one, inflation itself is cyclical. It has a different cycle. The upswings and downswings are actually different from the upswings and downswings in the economy uh, in growth. So I would separate inflation and growth. And when we look at times that um, policymakers have gotten in trouble, uh, they've kind of assumed that some decline in inflation was going to continue way off to the horizon and um, uh, taken their foot off the brakes or uh, put their foot on the gas and things have gotten out of control. And a, and a, um, a, a recent time, relatively recent time, would have been the 70s when we had a series of inflation cycles for a whole host of different reasons than what we have today. Mm -hmm. But... The key thing is that there were these big swings, upswings and downswings in inflation. And every time it swung down, um, there was a lot of pressure on the Fed or whoever, the policymakers, to say, oh, mission accomplished. And they put their foot back on the gas. And, and what we ended up with was 
higher lows in the inflation cycle. And so you could see they just kept getting higher. It was cycling, but it was cycling higher. And we ended up with average inflation for, for a better part of a decade of 7% or so. Pretty high. So that might that sounds like it could easily happen again. Uh, yeah, I think that, that the way the system is set up um, right now, uh, a lot of people have the memory of the lowflation following the mm -hmm. financial crisis. And so there's probably a lot of inertia hoping that we're going to get back to that. Now, you have to understand why we had that. Uh, and those conditions are not in place today. Uh, and then the second thing is that policymakers, for various reasons, I don't think they're nefarious reasons necessarily, but for various reasons, it's easier to bring back the punch bowl, <laughs> right? And people like you more when you do that, and uh, at least in the short term. And um, so there's a lot of pressure to uh, don't upset the apple cart, let's bring rates back down, let's keep this quote unquote bull market going, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I like your point about there being a, a disconnect. And I think, uh, you know, uh, a lot of folks are puzzled because if we look at, you know, the tail end of 2023, you know, st uh, stocks ended 2023 with a bang, mm -hmm. gold was high, uh, look at Bitcoin rallying again, the US dollar is strong. Everything just feel or looks strong, but what's really the reality? The reality, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, you know, some, I, I had a teacher, uh, 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 Lorene Harris, uh, a great, a great teacher of, of cycles when I was younger. And one of the most important things that she liked to teach was what's the reality? What's just going on right now outside your window? Because just even knowing where you are in a cycle, let alone predicting it, can be very exactly. <laughs> just where am I? Exactly. And and so on that score, just defining where you are in the cycle, <clears throat> we know exactly what to look at. It's output, which would be like GDP or industrial production, things that we're producing. Uh, income, how much are we the proverbial we all of us in the country being paid businesses privately that all that income um employment how many people are employed or what's going on in the in the jobs market and sales how many things are being sold it could be retail sales to consumers it could be wholesales yeah. to, to to businesses and whatnot they were, were exporting now taking all of those measures together I, I think pretty much everybody would be shocked to know um, that there's no real acceleration. Um, Q3 was not a blowout quarter last year. Q Q3 GDP blew out, but everything else was coming, was slowing down. And so when we put all those measures into our coincident measures, which define where we are in the cycle, we have, uh, you know, the COVID recession, a huge recovery, uh, and then we have a slowdown to well, right around a 1%, 1.5% growth rate, and then we're just bumping along right there. And there is no reacceleration there. 
Um, and, and at the same time, we're having now inflation has been cycling down, but the pace of decline in inflation is has been kind of sticky, as, as people talked about last year. And that is unlikely to change a lot in 2024. It, it doesn't look like you could just extrapolate that down to the floor uh, because of some things, for example, like services and uh, wages and things like that. So what does that mean for the everyday person? What does that, what does the outlook look like then? Well, I think, okay, so let's, let's stipulate that the outlook is Goldilocks, not too hot, okay. not too cold. Everything's perfect. And, and, and even in, even in the story of the three bears, that doesn't last forever. That's a moment, <laughs> you know, there's one moment where everything's fine. Yeah. She, she yeah. finds the right porridge and she's good to go. And then after that, all the bears show up actually at the end. That's how the story ends. But, but just, to, <laughs> right. just to point that out, but Goldilocks is kind of a moment in time. And, right. and when I look at 2024, let's say we're starting from the belief that we're Goldilocks. Uh, you know, the economy is good uh, and inflation is going to behave itself and keep going down. I think the risks are when we look at the indicators on the economy is that there's cyclical factors are pushing to the downside. So the only thing that is keeping us out of a harder landing is a lot of non-cyclical things pushing to the upside. You could think the CHIPS Act or the Inflation Reduction Act or um, the extremely tight labor market post-COVID because right. there are a whole bunch of reasons there, are a lot of not, there weren't that many people available to work. So all of those things are non-cyclical and they're kind of holding things up but the cyclical drivers are moving to the downside. When that's happening, any negative shock can have an outsized effect. So I think the risk to growth in 2024 remains uh, to the downside, uh, as far as we can tell. Now, when I switch to inflation, where the expectation is that it's going to continue to behave and go down and let's not worry about it, mission accomplished, I say, whoa, 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 first off, without forecasting anything, Inflation cyclical. It doesn't act like that. It doesn't go down and then just stay there. So that's unlikely to happen. Next, when we look at forward-looking data on inflation, um, for the United States, it hasn't turned up, but it's not falling very sharply. Okay, it's kind of down and flat. This is our forward-looking leading indicators of inflation. And um, What's giving me pause, and you can hear it in my voice, is is when I when I look internationally, we do the same thing. And when we look at the future inflation gauges internationally, those are getting a bid. They're starting to move to the upside. And um, at least in this century, so that's 20, couple decades, a little more than a couple decades, um, international inflation cycles have been reasonably synchronized. So the odds are that if the international inflation cycle starts pushing to the upside that right. that's a that's an underpinning on the u.s inflation cycle so we're watching our u.s inflation cycle indicators very closely for some signs of a bottoming in inflation pressures in 2024 that could be the other surprise so there could be a, a weakness to the downside on growth and strength to the upside in inflation. Those would be my okay. sizes to watch for in 2024. Nice. 
I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on housing because yeah. mortgage rates have are double what they were in, in 2020 and home prices have remained sky high. Mortgage demand has dropped to lows. We haven't seen it in two decades with many, you know, thinking that could, could 2024 be the year that we could see a major housing crash. Um, hard to predict a crash, but I don't think there's a lot of, uh, reason to think about a sustained move to the upside. I think we're, we're, you know, right now in this whole Goldilocks kind of moment, um, you can get uh, a little bit of activity in housing um, for, uh, you know, a few months or something. It might be like, okay, we're starting to put together a constructive story or something. But with my concerns about growth, coupled with those concerns about inflation not playing to script, and to and kind of like you know maybe firming later this year, that's not a great situation for housing. Um, that 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 I think uh, uh, would would uh, refocus us on the weakness in housing demand. And uh, there's some supply issues depending on where you are, uh, but um, I wouldn't be super bullish on housing in 2024. Okay, so that. I know the I know I'm going to get this question because I, I'll, I'll run into so many, uh, you know, fans of the show who are, you know, going to become first time home buyers. And they're just they're just like, just tell me, should I be buying a house this year? And I know there's so many variables and it's not well, a black and white answer. Yeah, yeah that's uh, tough. One. But <laughs> what do you tell those folks if they well, come to you and say, what do I do? Should I wait? Well, look, part of it is you're living your life, right? So. It's, it's against uh, renting or against other things that you might be happening in your life where you may be at that point where by hook or by crook, you, you need a house and right. you have an opportunity to, to get a piece of the rock and get a house. I understand that. I, I would say that even if um, housing activity firms a little bit in the, in the coming months, at least, or prices firm a little bit or something, that I, I think it's still a buyer's market and to approach it that way um, uh, as it's not really a seller's market. Okay. And so, so, so if somebody was going out and doing things, I would say, yeah, play hardball um, and, and be willing to, you know, go through a, a strategy of trying to have a couple of alternatives to play off against each other. What's your take on treasuries? I mean, we saw the 10-year treasury yield uh, spook folks back in October. Yep. We're inching back towards, you know, uh, 4% as we're speaking today. I mean, what, what are what are, are treasuries telling you here? Well, um, maybe, they're, maybe they're concerned about inflation down there uh, at some point. There's a, plenty of things to, it depends, right? There's, so, so let's look at what we have. The Fed says, hey, we're willing to agree to three cuts. The market yeah. says, okay, we heard six or seven, <laughs> right? right. So, so right there, you have a disconnect. Then um, the treasuries are looking at, uh, you know, wait a minute, if the there's a cognitive dissonance going on because if rates are really going to fall the way they're being priced, boy, oh boy, growth can't be that good. You know, growth has to actually stink to get six or seven cuts in 2024. Um, you know, so there's that question, <laughs> number one. Number two, so there could be some flight, you know, some 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 defensive posturing there. The second thing is, 
switching from cyclical to structural, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is supporting inflation. There's onshoring, there's um, uh, budget uh, deficits that are pretty big, so a lot of issuance coming down the pike. Um, there may be, with the Fed uh, cutting uh, a weaker dollar uh, relative to other places around the world, at least for a moment, and so then that can get inflationary on the good side. So we have all kinds of things to be concerned about, even with Japan doing some things that's so far away, but if if they uh, uh, loosen up a tiny bit, it lets global longer-term sovereign debt rise a little bit. These are all at play right now. So are you, are you bullish to U.S. dollars? Well, uh, not in the very short term. I, I don't think so. Cyclically, there's some things that are going to undercut it. Um, if you... If you do have a negative shock, you know, it's hard to, the currencies are tough, okay? Let's just all admit that. <laughs> They're tough to, that I could do, certainly short term. But if we have a shock and we get uh, the wheels coming off in 2024, you can get a flight to quality. So you have to be prepared for that in, in whatever you're doing. Um, but I think structurally, it's very difficult for the dollar. Um, there's just a lot of, uh, inflation that structurally may be getting embedded. Uh, AI as an idea to improve productivity. Yes, at some point, um, but not, it's not today and it's not tomorrow. It's going to take a while. And um, the kinds of, uh, you know, the, the kind of fiscal budget situations are going to demand a lot of borrowing. Um, you already look right now before right now is we're not in recession as far as we could tell right uh however the federal receipts tax receipts are plunging in a way that you only see during recession so it is typical that during a recession you go into huge budget deficit spending it's a little odd that you would go into huge budget deficit spending before a recession, which is what we're doing. So these undermine the currency a bit. I, I guess looking, you know, globally, obviously, you know, there's no shortage of, of, of tensions, in, you know, in the world, uh, you know, obviously the Middle East, but there's talk of, you know, how, how much could this spread? Could we potentially even see a World War Three? God forbid? But, uh, you know, that said, I mean, as what, what should an investor do looking at the global picture i mean i guess the question is what are uh the safe haven plays if any here it's a tricky one right so i i'm conceptually uh you know personally i would be i would have some defensive stuff so i know that i know that uh itm and 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 some people listening are, are um uh interested in gold I agree. I think that's got to be that, ha <laughs> that has to be part of the part of the puzzle, and it is for me. Um, at the same time, if if we've got some structural inflation, you, you know, the other kind of question that may be worth asking is where is it going to inflate? What's going to inflate? It's going to be some. Is there a financial asset out there? Maybe not the dollar, but something uh, that's going to inflate. 
and and you know maybe it was the magnificent seven last year uh i don't know what's it going to be next year there's there's you know the market's going to move around and figure out what it wants it what what it is going to be and so that's an interesting discussion or a thought process to go through uh and so in a way, right, I mean, to the, to the audience, you say, okay, if there's a downside risk to growth and an upside risk to inflation next year, what would do well? Um, and, and, and start to think through what would do well in that scenario. And one other thing I would add to that puzzle potentially is um, we've had an incredible downturn in global industrial growth. I mean, it's one for the record books. There's a lot of things for the record books post COVID, but this one, and people don't really look at this. It's kind of esoteric just because we're doing international cycles, we, we watch this. And so watching international um, industrial production, uh, that has gone through this incredible week cycle. Um, and so at some point, that will bottom out probably when people aren't ready for it. Uh, and, and that could be part of this puzzle as well. Okay. So, so when you are doing that thought, when you personally are doing that thought process and are looking at areas that could inflate, gold could be part of that puzzle. Yeah. And it seems, it seems, oh, yes, yes, I, I agree because uh, number one, look, if things really, um, surprise people they're going to have a reflex defensive move which will be into gold among other things and um we've got a good deal of bond market volatility right mm -hmm. we're not in this 2010s environment where um policymakers can get away with qe because of lowflation they could get away with that that stuff because um, largely I'm oversimplifying this, but China was doing this debt fueled growth, which was uh, exporting disinflation around the world. So even though we had services inflation and other types of in country inflation, all our imported goods stuff was deflating, which gave us lowflation, and so we could do crazy monetary policy moves not only we, i'm saying in the west even japan europe and and us in the, in the united states and that um playbook is constricted in an inflationary environment so i understand why people want to say mission accomplished on inflation that's yeah. the key reason why they want to do that is because hey we can go back to the old playbook of qe but if inflation is stickier or if the cyclical lows in inflation are getting higher then it, you can't go to that playbook so fast that's exactly it they want to just go back to you know let the good times roll again yeah and bring back that qe <laughs> hey you know uh as any any of the parents listening know the kids want to do that right you want to go back and and but but if there's inflation um you you get constrained yeah. that, that's i think um i'm older than you uh but but some of the viewers may remember the bond market vigilantes uh they mm -hmm. they, they were last kind of really in play in the 90s and uh 
I think it was uh, James Carville, who was the strategist for uh, Clinton, Bill Clinton. Right. And right. He, he's, he wrote somewhere, hey, if I get reincarnated at some point, you know, you I want a bond vigilante. Yeah, I'm, I want to come back as a bond market vigilante because they're more yeah. powerful than the president. And and that's a point that maybe will come to the fore again. Wow. Well, really good thoughts. Uh, fascinating discussion. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I'll give you the last word. Just, you know, like I said, this is my the first first conversation <laughs> I'm putting out for 2024. I mean, uh, if you could just, you know, speak to all our viewers and investors watching, I mean, what would what would as they start the year what would be your words of wisdom here well i i think and and maybe today's a a little bit of an indication of that but um we're we're entering the year price for perfection i wish that were the going to happen i suspect it won't i i've identified the risks i think there's some downside on the growth and some upside on inflation in 2024 um and I think that understanding a very important thing when you hear all this information washing over you is understanding the difference between a cyclical move, like we're just having a cyclical decline in inflation, and a structural move. Um, and that I don't think we've had at all. And then to come full circle to the beginning of our conversation, you know, the consumer has to deal with a price level that's a lot higher than it used to be. And that hasn't changed, even if we get a tenth of a point off of some CPI print. Well, uh, Lakshman Akuthin, I'm sure we will speak yeah. again this year. We should. It's all Danielle. now that we're finally connected after all these years. <laughs> I'm really glad to, to to be connected, and I think this is a we we can continue this conversation. It'll be fascinating to see how it goes, and and. Yes. Viewers, it's like, you know, look, we know we're in a cyclical environment on top of some structural landscapes, and we just have to learn how to ride the waves. And that's what we're trying to do. Excellent. And you can learn more at the Economic Cycle Research Institute. Yes. Thank you again. I wish you uh, continued success and we'll speak soon. Okay. Thank you. And thank you all for watching. We'll have more incredible content. I mean, we're just really getting started. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Be sure to stay tuned to the Daniela Camboni Show here on ITM Trading. And you can always sign up to stay on top of all the latest interviews at DanielaCamboni.com. That's it for me. We'll see you soon.